today we're continuing in our sermon series and we're calling it Be the Church. And we began last week and there's really an underlying question that we're going to be asking all throughout this series and one that I hope you take seriously to consider in your own heart and in your own life. And that question is this, do I want to go to church or do I want to be the church? Because there truly is a difference. And being the church is going to require something from us. And also, being the church is going to lead us to life. You know, we can go to lots of things that we're not actually a part of. We can just participate from a distance or just observe from a distance. But when we actually want to get the most out of something, we're going to invest ourselves into it. And so being the church is what we're called to do as followers of Jesus Christ. Last week, uh, we talked about a simple place to start in being the church, and it was this, that I will pray for my partners in ministry. Now, Paul, in the book of Philippians, is writing to the church that he helped start in the city of Philippi, and he talks about them as partners in the gospel ministry, and he gives this beautiful prayer in verses 9 through 11 of chapter 1, and he He encourages all of us to be in prayer for those that we are partnering in ministry with. And simply put, for us, it's the people that you're sitting with and around uh, this morning. These are the people that we need to be in prayer for. Uh, Last week, you know, we may have asked the question, well, well, how do I do that? Well, it's going to be hard to do that if you don't get to know them. How do I get to know them? Well, you introduce yourself to them. That's that's how you do this. Um, Even... Captain Introvert can figure that out. So uh, we, can, we can all start trying to, to do our part in praying for those around us. But then we're going to look today at where he continues with this, is what does it mean to be the church? Well, certainly it means that I'll pray for my partners. But another thing that it means to be the church is that I will advance the gospel. We'll advance the gospel. Now, what, what does that mean? Well, let's look at what Paul is talking about in this advancement of the gospel. And Paul is actually writing this from prison for those that are not aware of his situation. And he's had a long journey to get to prison. He's been through a lot of hardships, a lot of difficulties uh, on his journey that have led him to the place where he is. And some it may cause to look at someone's life like that and go, man, I'm not sure what they're doing wrong, but things don't seem to be working out. For this person. And it's really kind of sad that there has crept into our belief system at times this false thought that, well, as long as things in life are going well, then I must be okay with God. And if things in my life aren't necessarily going easily or kind of well, then, you know, something must be wrong. Well, that's not true at all. Because Paul's life is pretty much an exact opposite of that. While he was not a follower of Christ, while he was doing his own thing, he had position, he had status, he had authority, he had all these things that he wanted. But when he gave his life to Christ and he began pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ and in following him, then it began to, you may look from a distance and go, man, this really cost him a lot of things because now he's in jail and he's, he's had people try to kill him and he's been shipwrecked and he's been snake bit and he's gone through all these things. But he would be the one to tell you, and this is awesome because this is life. As a matter of fact, here's what he says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. 
Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. So there's his bottom line. As as someone who's going to be the church, he just wants to see that the gospel's advancing. He's going, it doesn't matter what all's happening to me. What's happening to me is actually advancing the gospel. And he tells us about it. He He says, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard, meaning that while I'm in jail, I'm just preaching to the people in jail. And to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. Oh, to be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. And then look his response to that. What does it matter? (laughs) I just love that. Hey, these people are picking on me and these people get, who cares? That's basically his response. He says, what does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. As a person who wants to be the church, as a follower of Christ, we want to advance the gospel. It should be what drives us. It should be our mission. We should filter our life and our words and our actions through that simple question is what I am doing Advancing the gospel. And this is what Paul was looking at. He wasn't looking at, are things going well for me? Is life convenient? Do I have enough of these things? Do people like me? Do I like people? All these things were secondary to the one question, is the gospel advancing? And so he says, look, all of the stuff that's happened in my life, as difficult as it may seem, as bad as it may look from the outside looking in, what I want to tell you is all of this is good because it's advancing the gospel. And so here's a bottom line foundational truth that we see again. We see it all over scripture, but right here again, we see this truth that God is always at work. God is always at work. Beyond our circumstances, beyond our situation, beyond our thoughts, beyond our preferences, beyond our traditions, beyond anything that we might think is so important, God is at work. And the more that we come to this place in life where we understand that I'm going to find a fullness of life when I focus my life on advancing the gospel, not because... Not because God's making me do it, but because I find that life is its best when I'm at work alongside the things that God is doing and all the other things that seem to be what would naturally bring me joy and peace and happiness. They seem to become less important when I'm just focused on the fact that, man, God's word is advancing and he's using me to do this. That's where Paul has landed at this place. What has happened to him has happened to advance the gospel. And so here's this time in life when you would think that Paul is in great need of words of encouragement, but he's actually the one doing the encouraging. 
He's the one that's having the difficult time and the difficult situation. And he's writing letters to people going, this is great. I appreciate what you're doing. Hang with it. Stick in there. It's all worth it. That's what he's doing. And so the perspective about his current circumstance is because he has a focus on advancing the gospel. So what does that mean? Okay, Pastor, you keep saying advancing the gospel, advancing the gospel. What are you talking about? Well, let's dig a little bit into that. And the first thing that you need to understand is that it's kind of impossible to advance the gospel if you have no idea what it is or if you don't have it for yourself. So the first question you need to ask yourself is, is the gospel in my heart? Is the gospel in my heart? Have I made the gospel my own? Now, what does this mean? What is the gospel? The gospel, simply put, it's the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for all of mankind. He has restored a relationship between mankind and God that could not be restored by our own good works. We can't do enough good works to make things right with God. We can't earn our way to heaven. We can't do these things. It's all because of the work of Jesus Christ. And that work needed to be done because we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, people in today's world might not like to hear that because sometimes we like to look around and go, well, I'm better than this person. I know I'm not as good as this person, but man, as long as that grade curve just sneaks me in there, I'm good to go. But that's not how this works. The truth is, if there's anything that's happened in my life where I have sinned, where I have done something against God's word, then I am now in need of saving and I cannot do anything on my own to make those things right. It's what God does that makes these things right. The gospel in a nutshell would be found in John 3, 16, where it says, for God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's the gospel in a nutshell. God loves us. We were separated from God, but God loves us so much that he made a way for us to have a relationship with him again. It's through the work of Jesus Christ that he did through his death, but more so through his resurrection in overcoming sin and death and the grave. And it gives us hope and it gives us peace and joy and something to live for knowing that Christ has overcome. You see, because the truth, the other side of the gospel that we see is in Romans 6.23 where it just simply puts it, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what we've earned through our sin is death. That's what we've earned. You know, anything else in life, if we've earned it and we don't get it, we're going to be mad about it, right? If you work real hard for something and you earn a wage and they don't give you that wage, you're going to be mad. This is a wage I'm glad not to receive. Because I've earned it, but yet God's not going to give it to me as long as I confess that Jesus is Lord and, and live my life for him. If I acknowledge that, if I acknowledge that I'm not enough on my own to be a God, there is one God and I give my life to him and I follow him. And it's not because he wants me to be this subservient, you know, just little person with my head down all the time. It's because he loves me so much that he wants me to find life. And so he gives me a way to do that. You know, how do I know then, though, if, if, if this is what it means and I'm following Christ and I'm doing this, but, Pastor, you keep saying it, advancing the gospel, but I, I don't know, 
necessarily what, what that means. Does it mean I just come to church all the time? Does it mean you know, whatever? Well, where we're going to find this is in our fruit. What is our life producing? Jesus puts it this way in Luke chapter 6. Real simple. A good tree does not produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree does not produce good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes and grapes aren't picked from a bramble bush. A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. So this is why I say you have to know the gospel in your heart first. It's not behavior modification. It's not saying the right things. It's not being in the right place. Because the truth is when life's pressures begin to happen, then there's a truth, right? You get put in a pressure situation, you get squeezed a little bit, and what's inside you begins to come out. You ever had that happen? And you've looked at it and go, where'd that come from? You want me to answer that question for you? You put it there. That's where it came from. Because that's what the truth of Scripture is telling every one of us, is that what's in here is what's going to come out. So it's not about doing all the right things on the outside first. It's about getting things right in the heart. That's where this matters. And so the things that are inside our heart, they come out all the time. And so where we have to do is we have to say, first of all, if I'm going to be the church, if I'm going to find the life that God wants for me, he needs to change my heart. And I need to continue to put his word into my heart. And I need to be around people that are going to put his word into my heart. And I need to just let him speak into my heart. Because as I continue to put things into my heart, then that's what's going to begin to come out. And then I'm going to be able to look back and go, what kind of fruit is being produced? You see, I love the fact that Paul, he gives us the the picture here of, you know, there are people out there that are trying to hurt me. This is what Paul is saying. He goes, there's some people that because I'm now in prison, that they're being more bold in their faith and it's encouraged them. But yeah, there's these other people that now that I'm in prison, I'm kind of out of their way. And now they're just trying to, to weasel their way into things. And, and he goes, what does it matter? Because Christ is being advanced. In essence, what he's saying is, I'm going to let God deal with those things. But how do we know the difference between people that we may want to listen to or follow to go, well, are they leading me on a good path or on a bad path? Well, we have to look at their fruit. And here's the bad news. Fruit doesn't grow overnight. At least good fruit doesn't. Mold does. I'm just kidding. So uh, you got to look at what kind of fruit is being produced. Sometimes that takes time. We have to look back. And in our life, the same thing is true. Sometimes we're going to have to give it some time to work so we can look back and go, are the things that I'm doing producing the fruit that I want to be happening in my life? But here's the truth. As you continue to put God's word into your heart, it's not just about believing. And it's not just about storing all these things up. Then we actually want to do something with it. Okay, well, what do you want me to do? I want you to take a next step. That's your question. Am I taking a next step? Okay, well, what's my next step? I don't know. It's my honest answer to you. I don't know. Because here's the beauty 
of being a follower of Christ. And there's even what's happening in, in Philippi at this time when he's writing this letter. He's going, man, you guys just keep doing what you're doing because what you're doing is advancing the gospel. And what they're doing is they're being the church, which means that each individual part is working as it should. God has gifted us differently. God's given us different experience. God's given us different knowledge. God's given us different roles. God's given us different things for us to do. But the truth is there's always a next step for a follower of Christ. And until you take that step into heaven, there should be a next. We live in a culture that likes to think about retirement. I'm going to work until this point, and then after this point in time, I'm just going to kick back. I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to do. But God's word, the retirement's not in here. God's word is about taking some next steps in our faith and continually living our life in a way that advances the gospel because that's what gives us life. It's what's the best way to live for each and every one of us. Yet sometimes we miss that. A lot of times we miss that even in our own Christian circles because we don't understand what it means to to take God's word and let it lead me to next steps. We've unfortunately at times bought into this idea that, well, I, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and I have prayed and I asked him into my heart, but then we don't necessarily take next steps with that. Now, I use this illustration all the time, but until somebody gives me a better example, you're just going to keep hearing it, okay? But, but here's the truth. If you think about our Christian life in the same way you would think about other relationships, I think it's going to help you understand that you're going to want things to take next steps. So, for example, this year, my wife and I will have been married 31 years. And if you ask me today, Lyndall, tell me about your wife and what's going on in your life, I'm going to talk to you about what we did yesterday or this morning or last week or I'm going to talk to you about the season of life that we're in or plans that we have for things that are coming up. If you were to ask me 31 years down the road, Lyndall, tell me about your wife. And I said, she had this beautiful white dress on and she came down the aisle and everybody was there and it was awesome. And she said some words and I said some words back. You, you would look at me like I am very weird. Because you would be going, well, what about since 1990, Lundell? How, what's happened? Oh, man, she was a gorgeous bride. Absolutely beautiful bride. Well, since then, what's happened? Just fantastic. Pictures look great. It was great. You'd be like, what's happened? That would be where we are. This is next steps. We are in a relationship with Christ, and you should be able to speak to people about what God is doing in your life today and yesterday and this last week and where we're going and what's going on in the future and next because there's next steps that God is leading you in a relationship. We don't just talk about our faith in this context of one day when I was six years old at RA camp, I gave my life to Christ, and now I'm a preacher. Amen. I mean, that, that's it. There, there are steps along the way and there's stuff that's gone on and God is continually leading us on those steps. And if you just want to think about, well, what does it mean to take these steps? Look at what Peter says in his book, 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 5. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, your goodness with knowledge, your knowledge 
with self-control, your self-control with endurance, your endurance with godliness, your godliness with brotherly affection, your brotherly affection with love. And I love how he sums it up. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, meaning you're constantly getting more of them, then they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If there's anything that I do not want my life described as, it would be useless or unfruitful. And when it comes to my faith in Jesus Christ, you couldn't punch me in the gut more if you just said your faith is useless. I want my faith to be useful. I want my faith to be fruitful. And so I want to take next steps. And the reason I can't tell you what your next step is is because you're at a different part of the journey than I am. And you have different experiences and different giftedness and different callings. But we serve the same God and we're working in the same direction. And he is calling you to continue to add to your faith. And you find life as you continue to pour into your faith. And you receive more and you receive more. And that's why Paul from jail can go, this is awesome. This is what we need to be doing. James wasn't so eloquent with it. He just kind of put it bluntly. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Don't just listen. Do something with it. Or Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount after he had preached this beautiful sermon and all these teachings, this is how he ended it. He said, therefore, everyone who hears what I just said, these words of mine, and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains fall, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded on that house, yet it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded on that house and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. So we have to put the gospel in our hearts and we have to be willing to take next steps. So let me just tell you a very simple and practical next step that we can all take all the time and it's pretty simple. Talk about the gospel. Talk about it. Talk to someone about it. Talk to your spouse about it. Talk to your friends about it. Talk to your mom about it. Talk to your dad about it. Talk to your neighbor about it. Talk to the person at the gas pump about it. Talk to the person while you're checking out at grocery store about it. Talk about the gospel. Make it a part of your conversation. And so this kind of gets to the essence of what Paul was saying about all these people are now preaching because of the things that I'm doing in prison. Some of them are doing it good. Some of them are doing it bad. What does it matter? What does it matter? Only that in every way that whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I can rejoice. And so for each of us, learning to take a next step and learning to move from this place where I just believe in God to where I actually live for God, the first thing that we need to learn to do is to just talk about it. Tell your story. What happened yesterday? What happened last week? What's God doing now? What do I understand? What do I not understand? All of these things are great stuff to talk about. And you just begin to talk about it and you begin to see that God will begin to make clear to you the next steps that you can take. I love how 
Moses put it to the people of Israel as they're getting ready to move into the promised land. He, he says, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. That's where we start. And then he says this, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on the city gates. Just talk about them. Talk about the gospel. It's a great place to start because the more you talk about it, the more you'll begin to understand it. The more you begin to understand it, the more you'll begin to live it. And the more that you begin to live it, you'll begin to find the joy that there is in helping other people begin to understand and see it as well. So we just ask you this question, will I share the gospel with others? That's the bottom line. That's how we're advancing the gospel. And will I actually take what I know in my heart, what I'm learning, and will I share that with other people? And it doesn't matter if I understand as much as the next person. What matters is if I can take what God's given me and share that with other people. That's how the gospel is going to advance. I love the story that we see of Philip in Acts chapter 8. It says this, that an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and said, hey, get up and go south on the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So Philip got up and he went. And there was an Ethiopian man. It says he's a eunuch and a high official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of their entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot. He was on his way home and he was reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. And the spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and he simply asked him this question. Do you understand what you are reading? And the guy said, how can I unless someone explains it to me, unless someone guides me? And so the man invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The story goes on that, that Philip came up and he sat with him and he, under, he explained to him what he was reading in the prophet Isaiah. And he walked them all the way through to the work of Jesus Christ and what had just happened. And he told them about Jesus. They stopped the chariot. The man got baptized. He became a follower of Jesus Christ. And all because someone just asked the question, hey, do you, do you understand what you're reading? I, I can't unless someone explains it to me. So just talk about it. That's what it means to, to share the gospel, begin to talk about it. Paul puts it this way in Romans. How can they call on him they have not believed? How can they believe without hearing? And how can they hear without a preacher? Now, that doesn't mean you bring them all to me. That means you tell them. How can anyone understand or believe unless someone's telling them about this in their life? So the bottom line for us today is we have a question that we have to answer for ourselves in our own heart. Does my life advance or hinder the gospel? Because there is no neutral. That's the bad news. We're either doing one or the other. We're either living our life in such a way that the gospel is being advanced because of the way that we're living or what we're doing is hindering the gospel from being shared. So to be the church, I want to be the type of person, sure, that first of all, I'm praying for my partners, those who are in this with me, but then second of all, I want to be someone who's advancing the gospel. 
And so I just want to ask you to bow your heads with me for just a moment.